Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello, everyone. My name is Nick, and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure, where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. Dasha, Dancer, Prancer, uh, Bambi, John, the one with the white ear. You, you, not you, you big bag of fleas, not you, Jess. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero, someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama episode 27. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about Arthur Christmas. But the first thing I guess I need to say is Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays and Season's Greetings to you all. I'm here with Jess. Um, Because it's Christmas she's allowed in the studio for the first time ever. She has been in before but she's generally very noisy. Um, So if you hear a cat in the background making noise, shouting at me. She's either wishing you a Merry Christmas or telling me she thinks I'm a cretin. Um, Either or. So this episode is going to be a little different. It's sort of going to be half bonus, half full episode because it's a fairly quick turnaround from Constantine. Um, Thank you to everyone who downloaded Constantine, by the way. As you can imagine, I really love Constantine, so I am super happy about that. I didn't really have time to get thoughts from any of the social medias on Arthur Christmas but I'm hoping instead I can just jam this episode full of wonderful Christmas spirit care of the Claus family in the North Pole so if you haven't seen Arthur Christmas and if you're in the US you probably didn't I'd heartily recommend it I am going to spoil it um, so only listen if you either want to be spoiled or you're not that bothered it's also worth noting that Arthur Christmas is the first movie that I'm doing in my animation season and the animation season is going to be lasting until the end of February. It's also going to form part of the anniversary, the first birthday of Verbal Diorama, which is in February. But I wanted to primarily cover animation because I've done a few animated movies. I've not done that many, but animation is a form of movie making that I absolutely adore. And I'm starting with Arthur Christmas because it's a Christmas movie. Um, and there's going to be currently eight more movies that are going to be featured through January and February. Um, and 
I've picked them all for a reason. Um, I've picked them all because I either love them or I really want to highlight them specifically. But with animation, it's just such... There's just so much out there. I wish I could pick everything because I would just... I would literally have the time of my life talking about all of the animated movies that I completely love. The ones that I've chosen, I've chosen specifically because I think they have certain something to talk about um but just because i haven't picked a specific animated movie doesn't mean that it's not going to feature at some point or it doesn't mean that i don't like it it's just there's just too many there's <laughs> just too many animated movies in the world um but arthur christmas was always going to be the first one it was always going to be the christmas movie that i talked about there was no other christmas movie that i ever had in my mind um and there's so many great christmas movies out there but this is the start of the animation season and it's a season that I hope you all enjoy and I hope you find something in the season that an animated movie that you love. But I wanted to highlight Arthur Christmas because I feel like it's a movie that deserves so much more love and so much more respect because it's it's absolutely gorgeous and it's funny and it's just got such a wonderful message of, well, I'll talk about it. I'll go into that in a minute. <laughs> The main question that Arthur Christmas asks is, how does Santa Claus deliver to everyone in one night? Let's see if we can find out. Dear Santa, my friend doesn't believe in you, but I think you are real. But how do you get round all the children in the world in one night? Dear Gwen, do believe in Santa. He is real. If you've ever wondered how it could all be true, the mystery will finally be revealed. Operation Santa Claus is coming to town. Go, go. Engage rooftops. Ho, ho, ho. Drop time 18.14 seconds per household. Let's pick this up, people. Mission accomplished. What happens in going down the chimney? Never did me any. <laughs> From Sony Pictures Animation and Artman, meet the family who makes Christmas happen. Here's to me, doing an even better job next year. Santa's the boss. That turkey did more than him. <laughs> Steve's the brains. Revised drop time to 14.13 seconds. I'd love an espresso. And then there's Arthur. I just want it to be perfect for every kid. But this Christmas... There's been a glitch. Oh, dear. There's one small problem. A child's been missed! You want to wake up the whole North Pole? Good idea! A child's been missed! Arthur! Who cares about one single child? <gasps> she thinks she's the one kid in the whole world that Santa doesn't care about. Do you know, Arthur, there is a way. Well, you're coming too, lad. Me? On that? Up there? Pulled by them? Dasher! Dancer! One of the others called I could never really remember, but Bambi! I'm not really good with big animals! This November, the last person anyone believed in. Sir, why is Arthur out there? Is the only one. Reporting for duty, sir! Stowaway! Who can save the holiday. Just stand back! It doesn't matter how we got here. Wow! As long as she still believes. Arthur Christmas. How do you think he's, uh... Fine, fine. No child left behind! 
So, synopsis for Arthur Christmas. On Christmas night, Arthur, the clumsy but good-hearted son of Father Christmas, or Santa Claus, depending on where you are, discovers that Santa's high-tech ship has failed to deliver one girl's present. In response, he embarks on a mission to save her Christmas, accompanied by his free-spirited and reckless grandfather, a rebellious yet enthusiastic young Christmas elf obsessed with wrapping gifts for children, and a team of eight magical untrained reindeer. So the cast of Arthur Christmas, this is a fantastic cast, by the way. Um, We have James McAvoy as Arthur, Hugh Laurie as Steve, Jim Broadbent as Malcolm Claus, a.k.a. Santa, Imelda Staunton as Margaret Claus, Bill Nye as Grand Santa, and Ashley Jensen as Bryony. The movie was directed by Sarah Smith in her first and only feature film as a director. Um, There was actually a short period uh, where she had help from a co-director, Barry Cook, because the gestation of this movie was so long. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in a bit. She was pregnant and gave birth during production. So Sarah Smith has had a long and illustrious and critically acclaimed career behind the scenes. She's worked at the BBC and Channel 4 and has since co-founded and is the co-CEO of Locksmith Animation. So the movie was written by Peter Bainham and Sarah Smith. Peter Bainham is most well known for his work on British comedy shows like I'm Alan Partridge and Brass Eye. And he's also worked on the movies Borat and Bruno both of which starred Sasha Baron Cohen. So, Arthur Christmas. Oh my God, this is such a wonderful movie. (laughs) I watched this the other night and it basically just made me feel Christmassy straight away. It is one of the greatest Christmas movies ever. And I don't just mean animated movies, I mean Christmas movies ever. It's absolutely perfect, this movie. Um, So, Arthur Christmas. How did Arthur Christmas get made? Well, Arthur Christmas... Uh, was actually the second attempt at CGI from Aardman. This was after 2006's Flushed Away. And it was also the first in a partnership with Sony after the DreamWorks partnership ended after three movies. So when they were partnered with DreamWorks, they made the absolutely delightful Chicken Run, uh, which is actually getting a sequel. The date's not been announced, but it will be coming. They also did Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, which, again, is brilliant. And the aforementioned Flushed Away. Um, So Aardman, um, if you're British, you will know Aardman Animation. They are a British institution. Um, They've been making animation since 1972. The company was founded by Peter Lord and David Sproxton. Um, And their most famous first creation was the clay stop-motion children's TV character Morph. They became household names for their use of claymation. Their most famous characters are hapless Wensleydale loving Wallace and his mute sensible dog Gromit, a.k.a. Wallace and Gromit. Um, And those characters were created by Nick Park. Nick Park also made famously the Peter Gabriel music video for Sledgehammer, Um, If you've not seen the video for Sledgehammer, it is absolutely fantastic. That is all Nick Park. Um, Wallace and Gromit, In a Grand Day Out, came out in 1989. um, And it was nominated for the Best Animated Short Oscar. But it actually lost it to a fellow Aardman production, which was Creature Comforts. Which, again, is something that people in Britain just know Creature Comforts. They know it from a very famous ad that featured some of the characters of Creature Comforts. Um... And in total, Aardman's work has amassed a total of four Oscars and five BAFTAs. 
So that's a little bit on the history of Aardman. Aardman is a company that has made some incredible feature films. Now, I admit I have not seen Flushed Away. Uh, <laughs> and that's because I, I tried to watch it, but I just could not get on with it. And I think there's a very good reason for that, because the one of the reasons why the Aardman and DreamWorks relationship came to an end was because they felt like DreamWorks was meddling a little bit too much and basically catering to a more American audience uh, with Flushed Away. I mean, Aardman is a very British company. They have a very British sense of humour. They love their in-jokes, uh, visual gags, that sort of thing. Um, and so the partnership with Sony, which I'm going to talk about now, it kind of gave them a bit more of a creative control, which is what they wanted. So Sarah Smith, um, she was originally head of development at Aardman and she became creative director in 2007. And she announced a diverse slate of projects. This included a comedy heist called The Cat Burglars and a comedy adventure based on the Pirates series of books by Gideon Defoe. So Pirates would go on to be released in 2012 as The Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists or if you're in America, Australia or New Zealand, it was called Pirates Band of Misfits. And The Pirates is on my list to do because I absolutely love that movie. It's a stop motion movie. It's not CGI. It's completely stop motion and it's beautiful. It's a little short, but it's so funny. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, interestingly, The Cat Burglars, I've tried to find a bit of information on that because I've never actually heard of it before. And um, it just seems to have disappeared completely. Um, the Cat Burglars remains unmade. Um, so one of the movies that Sarah Smith announced was a movie called Operation Rudolph. So it's an action movie set on Christmas night, revealing how Santa gets around the world in one night. Determined not to replicate the mistakes of Flushed Away, which was also a CG movie, as I said, suffered in DreamWorks meddling in the process. Flushed Away was a box office flop and Aardman were determined to do something different with their partnership with Sony. And Sarah Smith specifically said she wanted to raise the stakes in terms of quality, intelligence and variety. Originally, Sony wanted a smaller scale movie for the European market. But when they heard the pitch for Arthur Christmas which at this point was still called Operation Rudolph, Sony saw the potential for a mass market worldwide Christmas animation because Christmas is kind of a worldwide thing. The vast majority of countries celebrate Christmas. They know who Santa Claus or Father Christmas is. So it kind of made sense for it to be more of a worldwide market. Um, Sarah Smith and Peter Bainham spent a year conceiving it and another year writing it. So that's two years gone already. Pre-production, so that's the design and storyboarding, uh, took place at Aardman in Bristol, and that took another year and a half. And the actual production and animation phase was sent overseas to Sony's Culver City Studios in LA and lasted another year and a half. So we've had one year conceiving, one year writing, a year and a half pre-production, and a year and a half production. So that's five years. Um, but in total, the movie took over six years to go from that initial conception to the screen. Um, and it was really important to Ardman that the movie retained its Britishness, which, like I said, is an identity found in all of its productions. It needed that British cast and it needed that British sense of humour. Due to the grand scale of the movie, with literally hundreds of elves on screen at one time, the decision was made to utilise CG technology. And the more they talked, the more ambitious the movie became. 
Some shots took 24 hours to render and scenes took almost a month to make just one second of film. And with the movie made in CG as opposed to stop motion, it was also important to retain the look of a typical Aardman movie. And by that, characters that are a little bit hilariously ugly, but that have a certain charm to them. Um, specifically, heavy knit jumpers are not the easiest things to animate. So what they did was they modelled jumpers on the skinniest staff members they could find to see how the knitted garments hung on a slender body. They originally toyed with making Arthur look like a typical Santa character, you know, jolly, a little bit of a rounded belly kind of thing. But instead, they felt like a tall, lanky, clumsy young man would better befit the character. And to do that, he needed a great jumper. And he has a great jumper. <laughs> the combination of Ardman's charm and Sony's technology came to a head with the opening scene, which was sort of intended to be a highly contemporary action movie and military style mix, sort of like, you know, Mission Impossible, Independence Day and the Bourne movies. And Sarah Smith took inspiration from Paul Greengrass and Sony had actually already devised a sort of handheld virtual camera. It was originally used in their movie Surf's Up and that was to show sort of a live running with the camera feel. The opening sequence itself was the last one that went through production, just purely due to its sheer scope and size. Arthur Christmas had a budget of $100 million and it ended up making $147 million worldwide. So despite only making $46 million in the US, it actually still ranks as the 22nd highest grossing Christmas movie of all time, which is cool. Um, number one is obviously Home Alone. In the UK, it was released against Happy Feet 2 and Hugo. Um, so it originally opened at number two, but it ended up rising to number one after four weeks. And that was because Arthur Christmas was originally released in November. So it gave itself a little bit of time. It's a very beloved movie in my family. It's a movie that I've bought for my niece and my nephews. They all love it. Everyone that I've spoken to about Arthur Christmas always says, oh my God, that's an amazing movie. And it really is. It's a very British movie. It did well over here. It didn't do so well in the US. But either way, it was nominated in the Best Animated Film category at the Golden Globes and the BAFTAs. Um, it didn't win, but it was nominated. It won the San Diego Film Critics Society Best Animated Film. And it won an Annie Award for Bill Nye's performance. The main premise of the movie is how does Santa Claus deliver to every child? And it's a question every child, no matter how old, will have asked their parents at one point. How does he do it? Well, the answer is he utilises technology on a huge scale, almost like an Amazon warehouse in a ship, to ensure every child receives the exact correct gift delivered, aka dispatched by a team of elves, uh, over every town and city, delivering presents in just 18 seconds, whilst also checking if a child is naughty or nice. We also find out that the mantle of Santa is inherited from father to son and has been since the very first Santa, obviously St Nicholas. The current Santa is Malcolm Claus and he's been in the job for 70 years and is reaching retirement. But Malcolm is essentially a bit of a complacent, glorified delivery man. He is relying on the technology that his eldest son, Steve, has created. Steve has created this super efficient way of um, creating and delivering the presents. Steve is very much a military man. He's very business minded and he's super ambitious. 
but he lacks this emotional connection and the Christmas spirit that his younger brother Arthur has in spades. Arthur is earnest and awkward, but his job is the mailroom and he relishes in reading and writing letters to children around the world. Rounding out the family are matriarch Margaret Claus, who's a little underused in all honesty, um, played by the wonderful Imelda Staunton. She's clearly the brains behind her the operation and her husband's adventures, as well as the voice of reason. And we can't not mention Grand Santa, because Grand Santa is probably one of the best characters, played by Bill Nye. Um, I actually meant to say um, Malcolm Claus is Jim Broadbent, who's always brilliant, and Steve Claus is Hugh Laurie. The, the voice talent is so great in this movie, it's pretty much straight away you recognise these actors you recognize James McAvoy and Hugh Laurie and Bill Nye and Jim Broadbent it's fantastic so Grand Santa going back to Grand Santa long since retired from the family business and he's bored and he wants to relive his glory days um and this is kind of where the themes of tradition versus technology come into play because Grand Santa harks back to the days when he would take out the old sleigh named Evie and he'd hook up the reindeer with his young son Malcolm next to him and the good old days is a term fancied by parents and grandparents across the world, reminiscing about times when life was better. Arguably, life wasn't always better. Um, even Grand Santa recalls when he almost started World War Three. But we all have feelings of nostalgia for our childhoods or our younger years when we didn't rely so much on technology. Grand Santa himself feels like the true spirit and magic of Christmas has been lost to all this technology and this super ship and these handheld devices. And But most importantly, he personally feels like a bit of a lost relic. Um, and so while Arthur simply wants to get a lost present to a young girl who truly believes, Grand Santa's motives for helping Arthur are less than altruistic. He wants to just he just wants to prove to his son and grandson that he's still got it um, and that his way is the best way to do it. But with six billion homes to deliver to in one night, one sleigh, six reindeer and some magic dust just won't cut it. Malcolm, as Santa, is almost redundant now. Um, as he watches these teams of elves deliver, he only has to make a handful of deliveries himself. He's kind of more of a poster boy for the Christmas effort. Um, as I mentioned, the effort is spearheaded by his son, Steve. Steve has this super slick military operation. It's run like a NASA space launch. He utilises every technology available to streamline the delivery process. He's not really a jolly person. He just wants his father to acknowledge his hard work um, and show him a little respect as well, because respect does go both ways. And I think the movie does a great job of highlighting the differences between generations and these are differences that are present in current society as well. So you've obviously got your boomers versus your Gen Xers versus your millennials versus your Gen Zers. Um, whilst also commenting on the tradition of inheriting the family business, um, regardless of whether that person is the right person to do so. Um, Steve is not a bad guy. Um, there are no bad guys in this movie. He's just not Santa. Um, but because he's the eldest son, he's expected to be um, Santa. Uh, the movie also reiterates that, yes, 
the young, so, you know, the next generation should learn from the older generations because they do have stuff to teach us. But also the older generations should be willing to learn from the younger generations as well, you know, and not just dismiss the young as lazy or incompetent or stupid. And really, I think we could all just benefit from learning a little bit more about each of our generations rather than thinking that we're better or worse than another one. It actually feels very reminiscent of our royal family and the traditions setting place, some going back, you know, decades or centuries, which the new roster of royals is changing. You know, it's slow, but they are changing it. So in this story, Steve is the Prince Charles, um, destined to take the title of king, regardless of whether he wants it or not, or whether he's suitable for the job or not. And that's kind of the same with Princes William and George. Um, They're kind of in a position where they either have to take it or they have to pass it on to the next generation. And it's quite clear that Steve feels the pressure of living up to this legend of Santa. Um, And he sees his mission as a success, despite accidentally missing one child. But to the elves, and specifically to Arthur, that one child is one child too many. And it speaks to our reliance on big corporations and how small business still matters. Amazon doesn't care about one customer. They have billions of customers. A small local business, on the other hand, that one customer matters so much to them. And that's how Arthur sees the world. Perhaps Arthur is a little naive, but based on the belief that this one little girl can't be let down, because if she's let down, then the whole of Christmas is let down. And then Arthur's told by Steve that getting this one little girl her gift is impossible. But Arthur proves it isn't. And Steve just genuinely doesn't care as much as Arthur does. Steve is willing to give up for the 99.9% pass rate. Um, But the spirit of Christmas isn't all about the Playstations, um, even though volume is measured by Playstations. And this just rounds out what a truly brilliant character Arthur is. With a really outstanding performance by James McAvoy, Arthur is compassionate and selfless and kind and enthusiastic about everything despite being the younger brother he clearly adores his father and he idolizes his brother arthur is kind of the epitome of a good guy but it's important for this movie that there is no bad guy the true antagonist of the movie is ego and i don't mean the guy from guardians of the galaxy volume 2 but the, more the egos of steve malcolm and grand santa They all have their own egotistical views of why they're the best and why they should be Santa. Um, But Arthur has no designs on becoming Santa. He literally just wanted to do the right thing by this one little girl, Gwen. And that's all he wanted. And in doing so, he proved he was the rightful Santa. And Steve stepping aside proves it too. Um, It might be his, in inverted commas, birthright. But Arthur is the best man for the job and Steve doing what he does best the operational side makes so much more sense I do hope he kept his Versace suit though I haven't mentioned Bryony um but Ashley Jensen is always fantastic and without Bryony's extreme gift wrapping skills even managing to gift wrap a bike while Arthur rides it are essential to Arthur fulfilling young Gwen's Christmas wish and Ramona Marquez (laughs) known to all of us in Britain as the little girl Karen from Outnumbered. She's just magic. 
Um, I know she's a grown woman now, but she'll also forever be that sweet little girl from Outnumbered. Um, and Gwen waking up on Christmas morning to find Santa has been, and he is real. It's just a true delight. It's, guys, I cried. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit that I cry at this movie. I think it's just wonderful and brilliant and delightful and perfect. Um, the movie as well has some lovely little callbacks to other Ardman movies, such as The Wrong Trousers. There's actually a little scene with a wrapped toy train and the elf laying the tracks in front. Um, that is a wonderful scene from The Wrong Trousers. And there's also a little squeezy Shaun the Sheep as well um, because Ardman have also done Shaun the Sheep. They've done two Shaun the Sheep movies. Shamefully, I've not seen either, but I'm hoping to rectify that very soon. Arthur Christmas, it's beautifully animated. It has a great story and it has the perfect cast each of them going above and beyond. The movie can be summed up, I think, in the final end credit song. And this was a song originally by Jimmy Durante and it was sung for the movie by the legendary Bill Nye. I'm not going to sing. <laughs> I'm not going to put you through me singing at Christmas. But it's so important to make someone happy. Make just one someone happy and you will be happy too. I condense the lyrics down, but you get the gist. I've said quite a lot about Arthur Christmas, but I feel like I've said hardly nothing. <laughs> Basically, I really want people to watch Arthur Christmas. And the last time I sort of implored people to watch something, I know at least one person did. So I just want one person who has not seen Arthur Christmas to go and hunt out Arthur Christmas and watch it this Christmas. Um, there's no social media thoughts uh, because, as I said, I didn't have time. It's just a lovely, festive, family Christmas movie. And as I said, if you haven't watched it, please do. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's full of so much heart and so much joy. Um, it'll warm the cockles of your Christmas heart, I guarantee. It's also worth noticing as well that usually when I record an episode and Jess is in the room, I have to shut her out because she ends up making too much noise. Um, this episode, I've said to her, she can stay in the room with me. It doesn't matter how much noise she makes, she can stay in. But about five minutes into me recording the episode, she buggered off. She's gone somewhere, she's probably gone to sleep, and she's been as quiet as a mouse. I think she started shouting a little bit at the start, and now she's basically, the door is wide open. She can come in whenever she wants. She's choosing not to. So I'm just letting you guys know, I did not shut her out. I gave her the opportunity to stay. She decided to go. <laughs> She's her own cat. Thank you for listening to this special Christmas episode of Verbal Diorama. Um, as always, if you have seen Arthur Christmas, I would love to hear your thoughts on Arthur Christmas, especially if you love it, because I do. As always, um, I have to say a thank you to our Patreon producer, Sade. I can't say the word producer. <laughs> um, I, I swear to God, I've not started on the Christmas drink already. Um, but... As a Patreon producer, Sade gets um, a little mention in each episode while she's a producer. And I also mention her podcast, Offscreen Babble. So Offscreen Babble um, is hosted by Sade and her husband, Kyle. I've mentioned before that Sade and Kyle are wonderful, wonderful people. And they genuinely are. When Sade signed up to become uh, a patron of the show, I was genuinely floored by just her generosity 
and I'm I'm absolutely delighted because she told me just recently that her and Kyle are planning a trip to Europe and as part of their trip to Europe they're planning to come over to the UK for a short period so we're hoping that we can align schedules and uh, be able to meet up because as I've mentioned Sade and Kyle are so supportive and so wonderful and I've genuinely been a fan of their podcast pretty much since I started. Um, And so I heartily recommend their show, Offscreen Babble. They are so involved and so on the ball with Offscreen Babble. The one thing I haven't mentioned yet about Offscreen Babble that I absolutely love is obviously when they feature quite a lot of different topics on their show, what they do is they actually do a timeline in their show notes. Um, because a lot of stuff that they cover isn't even out in the UK yet. So when I listen to an episode and I'm like, oh, well, I've seen that, but I haven't seen this. What you can do is you can check the show notes and you can find sort of where each topic starts. So you can avoid spoilers. It's absolutely genius. (laughs) And they're one of the few shows that do it. And I think it's absolutely wonderful that they sort of take the time to avoid people getting spoiled. Listen to Offscreen Babble. If there's any topic that they talk about that you don't want to get spoiled, just go to the show notes and avoid the spoilers. It's brilliant. A lot of the chat they do is spoiler free anyway, which is obviously really helpful. And they always warn you when they're going to spoiler territory. Um, So obviously, I highly recommend Offscreen Babble. They are brilliant. And Sade and Kyle really do deserve your support. Um, Obviously, you can find them in your podcast app. Um, wherever you listen. Um, they also have a website, offscreenbabble.com. I know specifically Sade manages the accounts on Twitter and Instagram. And she's always posting stuff. She also posts these really cool sort of animated GIF um, magazines on Instagram. And I've asked her how she does it. And she's told me, and I still haven't figured out how to do it myself. She's like a wizard, I swear to God. So the next episode, right. Well, this is interesting because this is also coming out in December. And sometimes I wonder, why do I overload myself? Um, And to be honest, I think the main reason why December has been so jam-packed is because I only put out one episode in November. And that was completely unintentional. I, I planned to have quite a few episodes in November and the schedule just basically got bumped up into December. And because of that, I have ended up committing to five episodes in December. Um, And originally, this episode was going to come out in January. And and then I kind of had a bit of an epiphany about it because it's a movie that's set in 2019. So really, it should come out in 2019. So I've tentatively scheduled it for New Year's Eve. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that I can make that... um, Anyway, the next episode, I was going to tell you what it was. Um, Obviously, if you're a patron, then you already know. But also, if you're Kira and Anita of the Unexceptionals podcast, then you also know. Um, And that's because I did a little recording session with Kira and Anita at the end of November. We advertised it on Instagram and Twitter. We basically said that we were recording together. And this is what we recorded. Um, It's an animated classic obviously, because we're in animation season, guys. So it's going to be an animated classic. And it's one of the greatest and most well-known anime movies of all time. I'm delighted to be talking about anime for a start, because I love anime. And there's going to be more anime coming in the animation season as well. But the next episode is on Akira. This movie came out in 1988. 
and it still looks so incredible um and the story is so great as well and do you know what we had an absolute blast talking about akira and we could have carried on talking for hours and hours about it um so akira is the second movie in the animation season so it should be out on new year's eve fingers crossed because obviously with Christmas and New Year, everyone has plans. Everyone wants to see friends and family. And, and I've got quite a lot of visiting friends and family coming up. But I'm hoping that I'll be able to get it finished in time. If not, it'll come out in January. No sweat. Uh, <laughs> this is why this is why um, December and five episodes in a month happens. Because I'm so blasé about all of this. It'll just, it'll just come out whenever. Don't worry about it, guys. Um... <laughs> Maybe I have had too much Christmas wine. Um, <laughs> uh, if you like this episode, I've also done episodes on. One day I'm going to have to stop talking about this list. Right. One day I'm going to have to pre-record this list and then just plop it in and just add one on the end. That would just be a genius idea. Why have I not done that yet? Anyway, Titan AE, Captain Marvel, Dread, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, Pleasantville, The Cabin in the Woods, Speed, Aladdin 1992-2019, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, X-Men Dark Phoenix, Charlie's Angels 2000, The Mummy 1999, The Matrix, John Carter, Willow, The Iron Giant, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Logan, Edge of Tomorrow, Legally Blonde, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 10, Hush, Mystery Men, Passengers, Stardust and Constantine. And they can all be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts from. Yay! You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd and YouTube at Verbal Diorama. Note on the YouTube, I know that the YouTube channel is really far behind on the podcast episodes. Um, I've been a bit slack with the YouTube channel, <laughs> to be honest. But I'm hoping over the Christmas period I can catch up and get all of the episodes put onto the YouTube channel. Um, you can sign up to support the show at patreon.com slash Verbal Diorama. Um, tiers start at $2 a month. And you can get some cool little perks, such as access to the upcoming schedule. As I've said, you also get a shout out on the next episode that's recorded after you become a patron. And um, you also get a shout out on Twitter as well. And it kind of goes all the way up to being a producer, just like Sade. You can email me, general hellos, feedback or suggestions, verbaldiorama at gmail.com. My website is verbaldiorama.com. It also needs updating. Oh my God, I've just got so much to do. I can't tell you. If you like what I do and you want to leave me a great review, you can do so on iTunes or Podchaser, and I'd really appreciate that. And as I always mention, I have a column over at Film Stories magazine. Film Stories magazine is an independent British movie magazine, um, and my column is actually sort of talking about podcasting and the, the perils and pitfalls of podcasting, as well as the, the pleasures and pirouettes, uh, whatever, another P word. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not drunk. <laughs> this is just this is just Christmas joy emanating out of me because it's Christmas, guys. Um, now, films. That's what was I talking about? Film stories. Yeah. Um, obviously, I would love it if you would, could support film stories. Um, it is a British magazine, but they do ship abroad, um, and you can pop over to filmstories.co.uk/magazines. You can purchase subscriptions. You can also purchase one-off copies. Um, you might see me or my little column pop up in future issues. Um, and my film stories online recommendations is currently on a little Christmas break and it will be back on the 6th of January. 
um and i already have some great british podcasts lined up they don't know it yet but i'm gonna let them know soon that i'm gonna feature them on there um but final thoughts there's no word of a sequel for arthur christmas but if there is it should definitely be called merry christmas i mean it's just it's just sitting there it's just obvious merry christmas Maybe it could be like Arthur's daughter or something inheriting. I mean, just like popping out ideas, you know, maybe if Sarah Smith or Ardman or Sony are listening, Merry Christmas. I think it would be great. Let's do it. If you're still listening, have a Merry Christmas. And if you're if you're listening in between Christmas and New Year, have a, a brilliant New Year. I hope you enjoy your time with your family and friends whether you celebrate Christmas or you don't celebrate Christmas, have a fantastic holiday season. Jess is gone. I have no idea where. I'm going to go and find her. <laughs> and um, yeah, I will, if I don't see you for Akira, I'll see you in 2020. Bye. Movie Chanel.